0: And welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana Osman. here with my friend and chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Shabbat, Kuf Lamed Aleph, 131. So this is kind of an interesting daf because it really, uh, and Ann, I know you're going to talk about this probably a little bit more, it spends a lot of time on one topic, which is essentially going through all the textual proofs for how we know um, that there are certain uh, mitzvot that were basically allowed to override their preparations that are needed to do this mi- those mitzvot on Shabbat. So for example, with lulav, it's not just that you can carry the lulav on Shabbat, but it's even that you could uh, cut down the palm branch on Shabbat. And so I think this is a great example, first of all, of this page of just showing us like this was obviously halakha that was understood and that they really try to use you know, tools in order to understand, well, how do you actually know that? How do you really know that from the actual text itself? Um, And, you know, here we have, uh, you know, at least at the beginning, uh, you know, where they talk about the Gezerah Shavah. Um, And so I just want to read one little piece of this because I think they also talk about the Gezerah Shavah in a very interesting way. Um, I guess, what would you call this? It's sort of like, what we would say in Hebrew is that it's Amidah Shehah Torah, midrashat bahen right, that there are certain principles, right, that's, I know midah can mean like a person's characteristic, but there's certain principles through which we can explain the Torah and basically derive law from, um, and one of those tools is the Gezerah Shabbat, and here what we're seeing on this page is really how it's used to use to get to that law. Now again, I think there's always a chicken and egg question in these discussions, right, which is, did they have a misorah that yes, you could do these things for lulav, sukkah, matzah, whatever it is that they're talking about here. And then they sort of go back to say, okay, where is it hinted to, or not even hinted at, I would even say almost like explicitly in the text, because we're going to find an extra word, or something that just doesn't make sense, or could have been said more simply. And therefore, it's teaching us, you know, this particular lesson as it relates to overriding on Shabbat or doing a particular on Shabbat in preparation for this mitzvah. Um, so the one here that's talked about is primarily Gezei Roshav, and again, it's one of these Midot Shehatorah Nidrash Um So, but here I just want to get into a little bit, well, okay, I guess I'll continue with the, with the who's who, um, and Rabbi Yishmael and Rabbi Akiva, who are two Tanayim, they sort of had the set principles of how to do this, um, and if you look at the beginning of your Siddur in the morning, uh, some of these are, you know, they're actually laid out what were actually um, those principles themselves. But I just want to read one section here that I think talks a little bit about the Gezer Shabbat um, in a way that some of us may not be familiar with. So we're going back, you know, this is really at the at the top of the Yomim here. Amar Rabbi Chia Bar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Bar said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. kol Rabbi Eliezer Mitzvah Shabbat. Right. So what he wants to say is, doesn't Rabbi Eliezer say that it's for all mitzvot that what that you can, um, that somebody can uh, do the like sort of preliminaries. Uh, that's how, you know, it's some of the, the text translated of the, of, of the mitzvah. And you can do some of those malachot on Shabbat itself, right? The, the wording being here, the Machshirei mitzvah, right? What you have to do to prepare for the mitzvah. And so then they're going to go into how do they learn this? Okay, so first we're talking about the two loaves of bread that were offered on Shavuot, okay? So you had to do it on the day itself, and you weren't allowed to do it the day after Shavuot. And so Rabbi Eliezer learns this from a Gezera Sheva, okay? And so now they're going to quote the brisa that's going to teach this, that any of the actions uh, that need to be done to prepare these two loaves that are offered on Shavuot, you can do those actions on Shabbat yes. in order to prepare. And when we say do those actions, we're talking about grinding, baking, like real malachot of Shabbat, okay? That's, that's what you were allowed to do to prepare this if Shavuot fell out on Shabbat. Titania, as we learned in Ebrisa, Rabbi Eliezer Mer, minai lemachshirei shteh ha-lecham Shabbat. How do we know that the, again, the machshirei, right, these preliminary actions to the mitzvah of the shteh lecham, of the two loaves, they override the Shabbat restrictions. So when it talks about the Korban Omer, right? So the Korban Omer um, was the the barley offering that was the barley flower that was brought on the second day of Pesach, right? Which always was an amazing mitzvah, if you think about it, because you just spent all your time clearing up the chametz and all this kind of stuff. And then on the second day, you bring this barley flower. So this would be on the 16th of Nisan. And the pasuk says in Vayikra, Parachaf uh, Gimel, pasuk tetvav, chapter 23, verse 15, miyom habiyochem eta omer hatinufah, right, from the day of your bringing uh, the, uh, of your bringing the omer hatinufah means of, of waving, right, so there you have the word of bringing, right, hava omer. right, you have the word bringing in connection with the word omer. The neemra hava'ah bishte halacham, and you have the same word of of bringing, with the tay lechem. and where does that appear that appears also in the same uh in the same <laughs> parak and it's in Tupsukim later so it's again vayikra paraklub gimel. now it's Pasuk god zion where it says taviu lechem tinu fashtaim right you will bring these two loaves of waving so the idea is is that in both places it uses this verb of bringing bringing right mahaba amuraba amura omer just as the bringing with the omer marchirin right we know that you can do, it overrides the Shabbat, okay? We know that you uh, that it, um, that you can do all these preliminary things. And this is actually going to be learned out in a Gemara that's in Menachos uh, later on. So too, therefore, when it uses the same verb of bringing with the Shabbat, right? So in other words, we have two mitzvot. They both use this word bringing. So just like the bringing of the Omer, you, the mach right? The preparations can be done on Shabbat. So it must be true also of the shtei lachem, right? Of the two loaves. Now this is where it gets interesting. So the Gemara goes on and says, mufnei di'ilo mufnei ika lemifrah So it says, if it was not free, right? There are grounds to refute it. Okay, so what exactly does that mean? And that's what I want to spend a little bit of time on. So when we talk about the gezei sheva right? Which is the principle of taking a word that appears in one pasuk and then seeing a similar word appear in another Pasuk. And we say what's true in context A of the first Pasuk, we're going to apply that to context B, right? If there's a law or an understanding of something from in, from verse A, then we're going to say the same thing applies to verse, to verse B. However, not all Gazera Shavas are actually considered to be the same. And that's what they're talking about here. What is a free Gazera Shava? So really what it is, is that there are sort of, three types of gezerah sheva's right? One is what we would say it's free on both sides. So what that means is is that the words appear, right, in both of those places and there's no other way to understand it, okay? They're totally superfluous with how they appear and there's no other way to understand them. So in other words, they're open. Their only purpose for them being there is to form or to create this type of gezerah shava. Then we have one that's, you know, what we call free on one side, okay? Uh, which the Gemara is going to talk about a little bit later, which means only in the context of one is the similar word extra, but in the other one, it isn't. And then we have a third category, which would be, it's not free at all. Neither one is, uh, is superfluous, and you actually could use that same word to learn other halakha. But what's important here is that if you have a Gezei Resheva that's a free one on both sides, Right? that is considered to be an undisputed gezerah Sheva, right? Because often what we will see in the Gemara is, is that one person will have a gezerah Sheva, he does something with the context of the words, and then somebody else here, we have it, at Rabbanan, disagree with the gezerah Sheva, And then, so the question is, okay, well then what do they do with those words? But if you have a free gezerah Sheva right, where the word is superfluous, right, you have to come up with an explanation. Why would this word be here? In both contexts, in those cases, that is considered to be an undisputed Gezer Sheva So what the Gemara is saying here is that this Gezer Sheba has to be considered to actually be a free Gezer Sheva okay? That, that's what they're saying here. It's it's a free one, okay? But if it weren't free, okay, this is how we could dispute this. This is how we could say that maybe what well, Rabbi Eliezer isn't saying is true. Just as with the Omer, that if he found barley that was already cut, he still has to cut it on Shabbat for the mitzvah. Tomar shiimat Katsore, no What? Whereas, if he found grain, okay, that was already ready for the shte halachem, okay, he doesn't actually have to go out of his way and actually need to um, actually need to go ahead and actually cut something. Right? That's not something that he would have to do. So I again I think it's it's an interesting Gemara. I don't wanna, I'm not gonna read any more of it. What I really just wanted to pay more attention to was this phrase of Mufne deilo, Ilo, Mufne Eka Lemifra, right? That if it were not free, here is how you would refre- refute it. Because I think it's interesting to see that there are certain this is what a free Gazera Sheva is is that they're one, that the 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 context, the, the linking of the language, it's so superfluous in both of the verses. You can't disagree with it. It's just an accepted Gezer shava. Whereas other times we can have a Gezer shava where there's allowed to be a Machlokas over.
1: Okay. Um, whew, I want everyone to like let that percolate for a
0: minute. Um, I Yeah, I realized what I said. I don't think it's so easy and I actually would encourage everybody. Like this is a great term to spend. Like if you want to like be up at night instead of, you know, I don't know, other social media stuff. Just like Google Gazer Sheva you'll read a lot about it. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff out there, but I think it's just interesting to see, you know, where the Gemara, in a meta way, my favorite word, is, you know, self aware of the tools that use it the tools that Tana'im use, out these respect respecting.
1: So what I want to do is I'm going to jump to Amadbet, where Amadbet is speaking. Uh, Amadbet has a a long list without it actually being a list, right? It's new section after new section after new section after new section where the Gemara fundamentally takes each one of the items and uh, really mitzvot, each one of the mitzvot and assesses it against this criterion of is it dochet Shabbat or not, right? The statement is made at the beginning of the da'af. You mentioned this, right? What, you know, not all mitzvot override Shabbat, right? Which I think is already a strong statement because kind of you'd say... Well, of course not all mitzvot override Shabbat. We already know that. Most mitzvot presumably do not. So then the question is, when do they? And then in each of these cases, the the link, right, the proof text that actually says, yes, yes, in this case, we do have that connection for overriding Shabbat. Lo and behold, come back to the K'zair Shabbat. So I'm not going to be talking particularly about the K'zair Shabbat except to identify them. You know, this is these are the psukim which are used here. Um, but I want to just go through the list of, because it, it, it's really remarkable to me that, again, that there is even this this discussion of, you know, to what extent is something going to override Shabbat? And you may be as surprised as I am sometimes that, in fact, the answer is yes, sometimes it does. So the first one is Lulav and Yordain, I know you mentioned this as well, but I'm going to just read a bit inside. Lulav Vachomach Shirav, Duchinat Shabbat, D. Rebielezer, Manalei Le Ha, Ime Omer Uste Alechem. So what's going on here? The, get, the question of lulav, and it doesn't mean just literally the palm branch, it means all of the items of the Arba Minim, right? It says they override Shabbat. How do, what does it mean that they override Shabbat? And how can you get the idea that they could override Shabbat? Perhaps they also take it from the Omer, the Korban Omer and the Korban of Shavuot, right? And that because those will override about, so this will also. Well, how can you? How do you get to that? Just because those things do, why would you say that these things, that these little of mitzvah does as well? And the answer is well. And here the verse is um, from Vayikra, kav Gimel, twenty-three. Um, you should take for yourselves on the first day, right? Meaning here we're talking about the mitzvah of of lolov, the, fir- the fruit of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of thick-leaved trees, and willows of the river, meaning, it goes through, that's all the English, really, of the Arba Minim, of the four species of the lolov. And you will rejoice before Hashem HaKecham I mean, right, this, this is the whole verse, right? You have a mitzvah of lolov. But it begins with, on the first day, uvayom. And lo and behold, uvayom, right, um, is the verse that teaches us that you're going to be taking it on Shabbat because bayom also comes to applies to Shabbat. Okay. Now. So again, this is the verse link and I I want to go back to this question you Dan. you said, you know, when we have gzeirah shava whether however whichever category of gzeirah shava this falls into, at the end of the day, I think that there is a very strong tradition, right, that each gzeirah shava already has its roots um in the misola right in the tradition so they know that this is going to be the rule and then they need to find that like, gzereshava you can't go just making up gzereshavas because we like to oh look there it says one word in there it says another word no no there has to be some kind of tradition that 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 this kind of link actually applies okay and then it goes on to discuss the halachas of lulav and what does it mean that you would take a Lulav on shabbat because the issue is of course that we for the most part, do not take a Lulav on Shabbat because we do not have a Beta HaMikdash, but that's where, right? in the case of the Beta HaMikdash, they would take the Lulav on Shabbat and and that is Docheh right? That that overrides the requirement not to be taking a Lulav on Shabbat. Why wouldn't you take a Lulav on Shabbat? Because you might come to carry, you might come to carry it outside of an Erev and so on and so forth. It gets very long and complicated. So let's jump to the next one. And again, the Gemara delves into this and I, I feel it's kind of unfair to be glossing over it um, except for that, for my purposes here, the my goal is to show how many different things in so many different ways are in fact dochei tashavat. So the next one is sukkah, sukkah v'chol dochei So again, and this is again Divi Lezer, mana ha had. Where did he get this? Ime omer Again, this is the question is, did he get it from those earlier cases of korban omer u'she'al the korban of shavuot? What about from lulav? Why can't you just say that you get sukkah from lulav? Because if lulav has an exception on Shabbat, so then sukkah, which is, you know, the same holiday, shouldn't that apply? Right. So then the idea then is that the same way that the lulav has an example where it's going to override Shabbat. um, So then that requires the arba minim. So then maybe so too. The sukkah does now. This is not exactly Shava. It goes on. It discusses Shiva Yamim. Again, I'm not worried as much about the specifically how they get to this connection. But at the end of the day, there are there is a phenomenon where they say that the mitzvah of the sukkah is Shabbat. Um In this case, what does it mean that it, that the sukkah will override Shabbat? Um, it said. Uh, I'm sorry. One second. I just want to find the the text inside for you, um, that the mitzvah of sukkah is going to apply regardless regardless of what day it is, including Shabbat. So now we've got a question about the mitzvah of matzah and all of the preparation of matzah is going to also override Shabbat. Presumably you can already guess that this is Dive Rebbe Eliezer. He is the person who takes all of these, I think he's the one who takes all of these mitzvot um in or puts them in this context of overriding Shabbat. And again, it goes through the same, same thing. Are you going to say that it's going to be those two mitzvot? But then, you know, isn't that part of the temple service? That's a shekein It's talking about on high. So then you could say, well, those are different, but then here we say, Oh, we're still going to say that Mat is ha Shabbat. How do we get there? Amy Lolov. Maybe it's from Lulav Taun Arba Minim, because that it needs the four Minim imi sukkah, what about, maybe you could learn it from sukkah, heget balelot kibiyamim. the same way that the sukkah is um, practiced in the nights like the days, well, isn't that also the case of matzah? Ela gamar, chamisha asar, chamisha sukot So, rather, we have a different gezer shava, which links up the statement of 15 and 15. Why 15? Because we're talking about the day of the month, which is the mitzvah of Pesach with matzah, and the day of the month Sukkus is also the fifteenth of the month, right? So we've got if you establish that sukkah can sukkah and lulav, which are fall out on the days of Sukkas, which is the fifteenth of the month, which is Dokheta Shabbat, so to matza, right? And of course the what we're doing here is building, you know, one case mm-hmm. upon the next, upon the next, upon the next, and they're no longer quite as independent mitzvot um in their capacity to be Dokheta Shabbat. Okay, now we move on and you'll see we're going through the holidays here. There are plenty of mitzvot in other capacities which would have a whole other conversation but this is very much about the holidays. Shofar v'chol machshirav dochein So the shofar and again, all of its, all of its accompaniments, whatever, machshirin, everything that prepares it will be Again, at Shabbat. Again, Lezer. And it goes through the same thing. You can't say that it's going to be coming from Omer and Alechem. If you say it's from Lulav, then you would need the four Minim, then you would need the dad, the all the Minim. Then you would need to say that it's the same thing that it would have the nights and the days, right? Each one gets knocked down for each one has the reason that it has for itself, but it's not going to work um, for the other mitzvot that are Doche Shabbat because they don't have the same factors, Right? We so often say you have one word here, one word here. It's going to align the factors, but in this case, we're acknowledging that the differences are very real. I mean, matza. What about shofar from matzah? Shakeno hagid, benashim anashim. So that applies to both men and women in the same way. The mitzvah of matzah. ela amar yom trua yelachem yom So we knock down all the other mitzvot as leading into the to the reason that shofar is shabbat, and we end up back with a similar thing that we saw to begin with with Lelav, if I'm not mistaken that says Yom, right? You have Yom and that's Shabbat is also called Yom and therefore you end up with um, yet another thing that def- defers Shabbat or overrides Shabbat rather for the sake of it. Now shofar, again, we don't actually take a shofar on Shabbat um, because again, that's a concern of caring and we're not in the Beit HaMikdash and we need an expert to blow shofar and all of that, but all of that is coming after this, in terms of the prioritizing of these mitzvot, right? Okay, and then, and I think this is yet yeah, this is the last one for the daf. Amar Mar Mila V'Chol The phenomenon of Brit Mila is going to take priority over Shabbat. Rabbi Ozer Ha Amrinan. He says. You can say, and it doesn't go back to Omer, and it doesn't go back to say Alechem, right? And this is not a holiday mitzvah. This can we derive from all of the things that we said above? We can refute each one because each one has a unique thing that is not the same thing as Mila, and then it gets into this whole discussion of what's going to be unique about each one. And now I'm actually encroaching on the next daf. im betla, tamad over Yom yimol basar it says, "On the eighth day, you will uh, circumcise the the um, flesh of the orlah, um, afilu shabbat, Right? It doesn't say uvi ha'shmini with an exception for Shabbat. So therefore, you can understand that it means even if the eighth day is indeed Shabbat. And of course, we know that this is pesach and that of course, because of this verse and uh, and and the whole biblical um, side of the mitzvah of Mila, we do, in fact, give a brit milah on Shabbat. So of these mitzvot, in terms of our modern day and age, we have lulav we do not take on Shabbat, sukkah, we do sit in on Shabbat, Masa, we do eat on Shabbat, shofar we do not blow on Shabbat, and a brit milah, of course, we do, do on Shabbat. So in fact, the discussion of you know how do we determine that not all of the mitzvot are going to dochet a Shabbat, but yet some do. Um, you know, again, I say some of this knowledge was already in place and some of this knowledge is no longer practical for our experience, neither of these holidays nor of Shabbat.
0: Wow. I, so look, I'm going to be honest. I think these are the types of dafs that like a little bit can make your head spin, you know, even though it's repetitive, but it's really paying attention very methodically to all the psukim, station of it, how Rebiliazer differs from Rebbanan, um and it it's interesting to see like we know what the bottom line halacha is but really looking at how the you know they take the time to really work it through
1: and i'll say otherwise i'll say additionally right like um it's complicated and so by the end of going through each one of these cases i would say oh by then i've hit my stride right but in the beginning as you're puzzling it out and obviously i've prepared it i don't mean that i mean but even just figuring out how to articulate it with all of the different caveats that ribuzer himself would you know be concerned about it gets tricky um you know map it out if you if you are in if you are so inclined right like if you take each case and map out how it co- follows through it will become much much clearer i believe um and i think that if this page made your head spin and it doesn't speak to you etc there's tomorrow. Right.
0: But again, I what I would encourage people to do, I think the high level piece to take away from it is to definitely spend some time looking at what are the midot, like how do we actually learn this stuff out textually from the psukim itself? Right? Oh, would yeah. You agree? That's the high level. Yeah, because
1: Xayr Shavah is just one, right? The phenomenon, the connection between Torah Shabalpeh and Torah is deep. It is entrenched. It is something that, you know, those who like to poke fun at Judaism like to say there, there's really no connection, but it's so clear within the context of, uh, and when I say those who like to poke fun, it's the Gemara's discussion about itself, right? That those who want to argue against how the Gemara and the Psukim work together um, is to suggest that there's no connection. And the answer is no, of course, there's a connection. And that the Gemara's tools are consistent and they build upon the Psukim in ways that once you become familiar with them, then they, this is what we talk about when we say Gemara logic, right? The tools of inference and interpretation, which are not the same things we learned in math class or logic class, right? But they are, but they are an internal system that work, The work.
0: Well, that's our DAP for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud P- Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank <music>